it's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It is Cofield and Company on this Monday. Welcome to our friends in Reno, as always. Love to have you along for this hour. We are counting down Monday Night Football coming up tonight right here at Twin Peaks. Of course, on the station, you can hear the running Rebs open their season up against Southern coming up from the Thomas Mack Center. Uh, John Von Tobel, who will join us in a few minutes, he will be on the broadcast. So check that out coming up tonight. College basketball in full effect, <laughs> including here in Las Vegas. But let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. All right, we were speaking about this gentleman earlier. I'm going to do something that longtime listeners here up in Reno, you will uh, you will learn some of the intricacies of the show. Longtime listeners are going to be stunned, shocked, stunned by this comment. I loved what Josh Allen did yesterday. And maybe it's just because... And, 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 and wait, and, and he doesn't mean playing badly. No. Well, he was atrocious. Right. God, but but, but that's not what you love. You love that, but that's not what you're talking about. But I'm also going to love, by the way, uh, when, when people start saying, well, he was injured. He got injured on the second to last play of the game. Let's not pretend like yeah. the injury had anything to do. And he stunk last week, too. So relax on that. I, I have certainly expressed my critiques of Josh Allen uh, but he, of course, has worked his way into one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Not the last couple weeks, for sure. But I did like what he did after the game. And we should point out before we get into this, there is some concern. I'm trying to contain my excitement. There is some concern about Josh Allen's injury. It's a UCL injury. They think it's minor. They hope it's minor. But anytime you hear that, you start thinking of baseball pitchers. Tommy John. And Tommy John. Mm-hmm. That would be really, really sad if, if that happened. Uh, you sound cynical now, see? It would be just terrible. Uh, so, yesterday Josh Allen had a horrific game. Terrible. Was basically the reason they lost the game. And they, they are beat up. They are. They have a bunch of injuries, but he cost them a potential win. 18 of 34, season low, 205 passing yards. And more he importantly, was sacked five times. And more importantly, the interceptions. And he worked, those sacks were on him mostly, mm-hmm. uh, and he worked his way into the inter- – he threw interceptions, bad decisions. He was bad. What I will give him credit for, which not a lot of people do, and every once in a while you see it, but it doesn't happen enough, is after the game, he came out and said, the reason this team lost, even though there's all these good players playing well, is because the quarterback was – and he cursed. Said he played like schnitzel. Sure. And that is factual and true and also admirable. Not a lot of people do that, and I'm not making any comments about teams locally. But you, you don't see that rare, you see that rarely anywhere of a guy that comes out and says that and talks about that. So I, I thought that was the right thing to do, a smart thing to do, and uh, we will certainly monitor uh, the potential injury uh, to Josh Allen. But he does have some tweaks in the UCL of his throwing shoulder, or throwing elbow, excuse me, and that is a, a development to monitor, which leads us to our next conversation. Number three. Who's the favorite in the AFC now? Now, 
Buffalo has been the presumed front runner, the clear cut, you know, team to beat in the AFC for mm-hmm. good reason. Yeah. The their offense is loaded, the defense is loaded, although they've been injured. Uh, they've got great players all over the field. There's a reason that they were the favorites. I mean, they went on the road to Kansas City, found a way to win that game. Uh, yes, they lost to the Dolphins, but that was pretty questionable. They lost, I should say they lost to the Ravens. The refs stole the game for the Bills in the end, but they lost to the Ravens. But they challenged them on the road. Like, the Bills have been the presumed favorite. Are they still? Well, they haven't been to me. I've been saying that when we brought this up a few weeks ago here, with Steve asked, and I said... And I think JVT. I think it was a, it was a, during the segment that he was on at the, at the, when he comes on at the end. The eye on betting. We said who's we both. I believe it was that show. We both said Kansas City, and I still think it's Kansas City in the AFC. I, I've never wavered from that. I've and I've said I'm not buying into Buffalo, and I'm not buying into Philadelphia. By the way, is the best team in the league just because they're eight zero? Because until they play a team. Of substance, which we kind of touched on yesterday a little bit. Yeah, does that ever happen? I mean, their schedule is terrible. We've got the game at Dallas. Yeah. That's not going to be easy uh, with Prescott because they played Dallas okay, But already, look at but... who they played, the eight games is what I'm saying. They, so, anyway, with the AFC, I've been saying the Chiefs. I really hate to say the Chiefs because they're four games in front of the Raiders, and that means that Cofield's winning his bet. Of course, I'm going to slaughter him with a bunch of other ones. The, the Eagles did beat Minnesota, who is the other supposed best team in the NFC right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Other than that, they haven't played a whole a whole lot of difficult teams, and they really don't for a while. Uh, they do have a, a home game against Tennessee coming up in December. Uh, they play at the Giants, uh, and they've got that game at Dallas on Christmas Eve. Three straight road games. That's the tough one because a sandwich at Chicago is not going to be easy. Let's go to New York, then you go to Chicago, then you go to Dallas. Yeah. So, so that sandwich is going to be tough in Chicago against your boy Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough stretch of games. We'll see how they're able to to navigate that, but they are still good. And the AFC, though, yeah, Kansas City seems like they're getting better. Last night they struggled, but they found a way to win. Got some help from the officials there too, uh, but they're going to be good. I think that they're going to have a tough time securing the number one seed because they do have a lot of tough games left on the schedule. Where the Bills really don't. So if Josh Allen is healthy, although I think they might, never mind. Uh, we'll see how they how they are able to um, to navigate. And you know, I tweeted out earlier the overall standings. The only two divisions that have twenty plus wins combined is the NFC East and the AFC East. NFC East is combined twenty four and nine. AFC East is a combined twenty three and twelve. That daunting AFC West, sixteen and sixteen. So there are three teams in the AFC East, Adam Hill, that have six wins. The, every team is above 500. Miami, the Jets, and the Bills, six wins. Bills with two losses. Jets and Dolphins with three. Patriots sitting at five and four. It's pretty impressive. It's very good. And it's I, the I, I, only I, division that has all teams above 500. Yeah. Whoever wins, I mean, like that, the discussion of who is the favorite in the AFC Whoever does come out of the AFC is going to be very challenged. You mentioned the AFC East is very good. I still think the AFC West is very good. Um, I think the AFC North could have a I think the Bengals, when Jamar Chase gets back, uh, could still be a pretty formidable team. I think Cleveland, if they're able to tread water a little bit and 
get Deshaun Watson in and he plays at a high level, they could still be good at the end of the year. Like, there are still good teams. Tennessee, because of their run game and their defense, are, tr- are tough for anybody. Like, whoever wins the AFC is going to be very, very battle-tested for sure. Uh, and we'll see, you know, who then comes out of the NFC. But uh, the favorite in the AFC is going to be an interesting discussion for weeks to come. Number two. Mattress Mac. I threw this in just because I I, I I hear it throughout the different shows, right? I heard it this morning. The guys this morning talking about it. Or the guys. It was uh, Ed and Lindsay and... Uh, no, Tyler was... Oh, Tyler was a guest. Yeah. And then I heard but the national show before them. And I think they brought him on. They brought him on last week. Then they brought him on today. But you and I talked about it yesterday on the Sunday Football Preview Show, and you know the background behind it. So I'm just going to let you roll on this so people can just – because I'm tired about hearing him and everybody thinking that he's this this mastermind that made $75 million because that's what he cashed in. So, oh, my gosh, he's a great sports better. Can you please break it down? He's a great marketer. There you go. Great promoter. And – Look, he, what he's doing is very, very, very smart. I don't want to take away from that. I didn't say anything about the marketing. I know, but oh. what I'm saying is that's how he should be portrayed as a marketer yes. and a and an insurance purchaser. Like He used to just buy insurance for his promotions. He decided, oh, this is a promotion. Why not promote it even more? Instead of buying insurance, I'll buy a sports bet to insure my giveaways. And then if it does win, then I win the bet. I get the get all these people free furniture, and I get the, all the promotion of going on radio shows and newspapers and TV and and everywhere and promoting the fact that I just won this big bet. Now, the sports books where he won, that they don't care about that. They lost. That sucks for them. But for him, it's a brilliant marketing scheme. Not scheme's not the right word. I'm sorry about that. It's a brilliant marketing ploy. It's a marketing angle. It's unbelievably smart what he does. Unbelievably smart. Scheme is a fair but word. But it's not a bet. It's uh, not a, no scheme. Scheme sounds nefarious. It's not nefarious. Wait a minute. Offensive and defensive coordinators have what schemes? Sure, you're but fine. you're trying to ploy. Fool. Sounds a little more to me. <laughs> okay. Ploy is a word that you come on now. The schemes. You're trying to trick somebody. I think so. Offensive and defensive coordinators are going to trick their opponent. Scheming. Ske- yes, plotting, scheming, ploying. It's negative in that, in that regard. <laughs> Number one. All right, we just talked about it with Linda Cohn. Uh, if you did not hear it, you can listen back uh, on the podcast page. Uh, check out uh, on Sports Network. Check out the interview with Linda Cohn. Great, great job breaking down what the Golden Knights have done early in the season. We, we want to talk about some other hockey things too, but we just talked so much about the Golden Knights and their success uh, that you know that was our conversation with her. And she mentioned the fact that guys like Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith, William Carlson are turning back the clock. Yes. And Bruce Cassidy has kind of allowed that to happen by putting them together. Now, every single coach that comes in here, we saw it with DeBoer, we saw it with Cassidy, kind of says, oh, I'm going to break these guys up, play them on different lines. And then the misfit line finds their way back to each other eventually. And, man, they are playing at an unbelievably high level. I, I said earlier they are turning the clock back to 2017. Linda Cohn made almost the same reference. This is vintage Golden Knights. This is what made them successful in the beginning, and it is working once again. And I think the biggest benefit for everybody involved is that, you know, even with Eichel, because he, he's the latest big name, right? I mean, when Stone got here, he was the big name. Uh, as they picked guys up and added them to the lineup, 
Not that they have felt the pressure of carrying it, but like they had something there. I don't think that there's anybody that feels that they need to carry this team, and that's what's benefiting finally these three, Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith, William Carlson. Uh, Eichel leads the team with 14 points, nine assists, but that's not even the leading. Uh, Petrangelo leads the team with 10 assists. That's all he – that's it. But there are six players with 10 points. Marchessault, Smith, and Carlson are three of them, and they've also combined for 15 goals, 15 of the 46, a third of their goals. It's great to see. I'm happy for it just because, and you know this, in watching and covering this team since the beginning, um, especially with the name, their names, you know, Carlson and Riley Smith the most being thrown out there in trade conversations or offseason, like, right, we didn't know if, Right, was Riley Smith going to be brought back? He was going to be an unrestricted. What are they going to do? He had the softball game in the summer. Oh, well, oh, are they going to sign him? Will he still do? I mean, any any little wisecrack you could make. You got people still out there making cracks about Carlson. You're a clown. If you're clowning, I mean, William Carlson has been playing phenomenal hockey. Not just four goals, six assists, but this dude plays 200 feet of hockey. You know, we always talk about Mark Stone and what he does on the defensive end as one of the best defensive forwards. William Carlson makes a lot of things happen from the defensive end. He does, and it's been it's been quite a run for this team. They'll look to continue it tomorrow in Toronto. Uh, the Big Four is presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in Reno and Las Vegas. 766-1400. Call from anywhere in Nevada. 766-1400. And we come back. Continue with the Raiders conversation. Jay Schrader joins us. We'll keep it going from Twin Peaks and Henderson. I was very confident, you know, and the main thing for me is just trying to, you know, hit my receivers. You know, just, you know, if I have to move in the pocket or I got to do something, you know, just find hands to throw it to, you know, and uh, within the progressions and all that stuff. But uh, really just positive place. And so, you know, my confidence in those situations, I never feel any different. I'm not, like, worried ever. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. That is the voice of Derek Carr coming back. Uh, Derek talking about yet another loss in a game in which the Raiders led by more than 17 points three times this season that has happened. Uh, Now the Raiders are tied for the second worst record in the AFC, a team that has a ton of talent, probably should be higher in the standings, but in the NFL your record is what it is and that's where they stand right now uh for the raiders uh, so maybe it's more enjoyable to talk as we continue on this monday here in las vegas and reno uh from twin peaks and henderson maybe it's more enjoyable to talk about raiders of the past and maybe some good things that are happening with some raiders of the past in particular uh jay schrader of course played for the team for five years 11 year nfl veteran at quarterback and now doing really, really, really important and impressive things off the field after his career. He is the 2022 Salute to Service Award nominee for the Raiders. Jay Schrader joins us right now. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing this afternoon? We are good. We want to talk some football, but uh, you were doing, you know, I'll, I'll say it for you, you're doing really, really, really important things and really cool things uh, with your with your life now and kind of with uh, your post-career uh, time. So, Kind of explain to everybody what what work you do, especially with some of the veterans uh, now, uh, and why that's important to you. Yeah, we have a, a project called the Liberty Project, 
uh, vetsandhorses.org is the way to find it and everything else. What we do is uh, we do a combination of things. Uh, we rescue wild mustangs. Nevada has the largest population of wild mustangs. But then we bring in combat vets, and we do equine therapy uh, with them. We train them uh, with the horses, get them to know everything about the horses, get them to be with the horses, take care of the horses. And we also have a PTSD program um, that we run in conjunction with that. Uh, and we run this out of Sandy Valley at a ranch. And uh, my partner, J.P. Hoffman, is a former Army Ranger, and um, they're very near and dear to his heart. Uh, he lost his best friend in, in boot camp to, to suicide. So uh, it's something that we take uh, very seriously, and uh, it's a wonderful program um, that we're, we're able to do. Well, why is it important to you to, to help people out? I mean, it's, you know, you could just – could just be kind of sitting on the ranch and chilling at times, but uh, why is it important to you to, to kind of be a good citizen? Well, it, it's important. I want to give back. I, you know, I was blessed to play two professional sports uh, over two different countries, and uh, I get to do a lot of things in this country because of our freedom, and I don't take that lightly at all. I've, uh, the service vets, the men and women that have served our country, uh, deserve everything we can possibly give to them. And uh, this is just my little way of giving back and my little piece of time and effort uh, to let them know that they're valued and uh, they'll never be forgotten for what they've done. That's the voice of Jay Schrader, of course, uh, former Raider quarterback and uh, doing some good things, the Salute to Service Award nominee for the Raiders for the year. What? How surprising was that moment for you? And uh, what did it mean when you kind of found that out? You know, I had no idea. Um, a couple of people at the ranch knew. I had no idea. I could, uh, you know, I that was the furthest thing from my mind, but uh, certainly humbled uh, and honored, that's for sure, to be selected. And uh, it, uh, it's something I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to do and see if we can build the program and uh, keep it going for a long time. Obviously a great program that you guys are doing. Uh, I'm right off the bat, I was like, rescuing wild mustangs i'm terrified of those what aren't they scary they are they are they're you know between between a thousand and twelve hundred pounds and uh they don't like people uh to begin with so you've got to earn their trust and that's the beautiful thing about it is uh they've got to trust you and you've got to trust them and uh it becomes a beautiful bond and you know we, we tell people all the time uh these wild mustangs and horses in general, uh, you know, when you feel that connection with a person and you have to get really close to feel that connection, well, a horse can feel that six feet apart, okay? So if you go in, and that's why it works so well for the veterans, if a veteran is coming in there and is angry or uh, has something going on, they're going to get an angry horse. So they've got to learn to calm themselves, get themselves to a place where there's uh, they can be loved and love something else, and then that horse will respond accordingly. And it's a beautiful match, and uh, it is—it's terrifying at the beginning, but uh, when you get once you get in there and you get running around with that wild mustang, and you know you're in the in the pen with it, and it follows you around for some reason, it's uh, it's an amazing program. Uh, watch watch me be a professional broadcaster here, Jay. You talked about earning the trust of the horses. How hard is it to? earn and keep the trust of teammates in the locker room when you're two and six and the season is not going how you wanted it to? Uh, it's very difficult because everybody, you know, everybody starts pointing at themselves for a bit and then all of a sudden it turns to start pointing the fingers at others and that's what you have to avoid. Uh, it's a team game. 
Uh, you have to realize that football is the ultimate team game. There are 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, and 11 guys on every special teams play, and you need them all. And I used to tell people all the time, you know, I have never, ever, ever, ever figured out how to throw a ball off my back. So if I'm not if I'm not standing upright, you know, with the lineman up front, I can't throw on it. The receivers aren't running and routes and catching the ball. It still doesn't matter, right? So, uh, you know, it's the ultimate team game, and you, you have to stay together uh, in tough times, and this is certainly a tough time being two and six. Speaking of former NFL quarterback, Jay Schrader spent five years with the Raiders. So, Jay, when you hear things, you know, throughout the availabilities when we've had Derek Carr on Wednesdays, a lot of times we've heard him say, you know, hey, I, I'm just doing what I'm told out there, but we believe in what Josh is trying to do. And then yesterday, a lot of frustration come out. And Devontae Adams even said, you know, there's going to be a lot of emotion after losses like this, so this is the stuff you're going to hear. But, you know, it just sounds like there's a lot of frustration setting in. How difficult is it? For, you know, you talked about the locker room, but from coach to player to new regime to – you know, new superstar in the locker room and trying to maintain a sense of semblance among everybody involved. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it this way. If I didn't hear grumblings, I would be concerned yeah. because then they don't care. <laughs> then they don't care. These guys are professionals. They know how to perform at the elite level, and they're trying to figure out an answer. And they're all stumped. You know, they're trying to figure out what, why isn't this working. They they have talent. They have good coaches. Why is why haven't they gotten over to the hump to this point? That's the frustrating part. And if they're not, you know, getting upset at themselves and at at each other, you know, for being two and six, then I have an issue. Um, they'll get this thing figured out. They've got too much talent, um, you know. But you know, for for this year, this is not the start they wanted. They put themselves, you know, way in the hole. We'll see if they can dig out and build something that they can work for. Jay, as you watch this team, have you been able to identify maybe some problems? I mean, they're good enough to get 17-point leads almost every week and then somehow you know, not good enough to be able to finish those games and find a way to win. Uh, has there been anything consistent or is it always something different? You know, it, it's been a little bit of everything. Um, it's been a little bit of offensive line failure. It's been a little bit of being complacent with the offense in the second half instead of taking shots. It's been defensive backs haven't held up. They're not having a pass rush, a special teams play here or there. Uh, so it's been a little bit of everything. Uh, and the frustrating part is, you know, early on it seemed to be some key penalties that, you know, just rotten times. Uh, so it's kind of been a little bit of everything. And I think that's the most frustrating because it does go back and forth. And they have spurts where the offense does real well. They have spurts where the defense does real well. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, what happened? Um, so, and it's hard to change that momentum once it's going downhill. But they, they've got to find a way. Somebody's got to make that one play that's going to turn it around. I, I like that you that you brought that up because that's literally exactly the words that Josh Jacobs said to me last week. Of it, you can talk about things, you can scheme things, you can you can plan things, you can come up with a game plan, you can try to give a speech. You could try to yell at people. You can try to do all these things. He's like, all it comes down to in a game is one guy saying, I'm making a play. Like, is that literally, is that all it is, really? That, that's really what it comes down to because, you know, the, the schemes are good. The players are good. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be one of those. Maybe it's one of those runs where 
Josh Jason gets hit three yards in the backfield, and, you know, he spins and makes another guy miss, and then it's 25 yards down the field, and everybody looks and goes, damn, let's go. You know, maybe it's that way. Maybe it's a Devontae Adams catch. Maybe it's, you know, another pick six, you know, that ignited him, you know, in a game earlier. You just never know. But the thing is, when you get the opportunity, somebody's got to make that play. And it's not forcing it. It's the opportunities come. You just got to make the play when it's there. Lastly, for you, of course, Jay Schrader is uh, is joining us here on the show, former Raider NFL veteran and the the salute to service nominee for 2022 for the Raiders for all the great, great work he is doing now. Uh, about a minute left. What do you think of the Raiders being in Vegas? Are you used to it yet? Uh, I am used to it. I think it's absolutely wonderful. The town has embraced them. Um, I think it's going to be a, a long-term sort of fit right here. Las Vegas is a great sports town, so uh, I'm looking forward to a, a long-term relationship and the Raiders building something really special here in Las Vegas. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it and appreciate the, the work you were doing because uh, that's what's really important out there, and, and great job, man. Thank you. I would appreciate it. If everybody goes out there, they can vote once a day, so uh, I would appreciate getting on and voting. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you. There you go. Do that. For all of our listeners in Vegas and Reno and beyond, go vote for Jay and uh, get that done uh, for him and the Raiders, the Salute to Service nominee, and uh, that is open to fan voting so go check that out. Uh, we will continue here from Twin Peaks in Henderson on Eastern, getting ready for Monday Night Football and UNLV basketball tonight here on the station. John Von Tobel joins us next, getting into some betting and some other stuff as we roll on. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling along, here. rolling along here from Twin Peaks and Henderson out on Eastern. Get it down here after the show. Willie's hosting Monday Night Football with the Ravens and the Saints. If you're listening up in Reno, get on down here too. Jump on a plane, fly down, get in your private jet. Realistically, yeah. If you if you flew down right now and then Ubered over from, you'd make it by the end of the watch party. Or join us in the future. And if you're down here in Vegas, head on over to Twin Peaks and check out. All the great TVs and views and the great personalities around here. It is awesome at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Uh, we have a LeBron story, John. So John Vatobel joins us. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez here from Twin Peaks. Uh, John loves the NBA. Love it. Obsessed with the NBA. So we have a really hardcore basketball question for you as we roll on. Okay. What is LeBron doing? And I don't mean by sitting out second half of back-to-back with a sore foot or whatever he has. Whip. And, Willie, you might appreciate this, too. I saw this. I did. LeBron James last night uh, gave a a nice tribute to takeoff of Migos. Wore, you know, wore an outfit to to commemorate his death. Not to commemorate, to uh, mourn mourn and honor uh, the death of takeoff. He's like the meme of the dude in front of the grave. Yeah, yeah, that. But it obviously was a you know an awful situation that happened last right. week in the hip hop community, and then LeBron went on after the game and said, "You know, back in 2010, I used to tell my teammates in Miami to start listening to these guys. I knew they were going to be big, and I I knew it was coming. I predicted it. I told him you got to listen to these guys. I was listening to them all the time. He's lying. Of course he is. He's li- why 
You're LeBron. You don't need this. All you have to do anytime you want to brag is say, I'm LeBron. Why does he do these things? Just goes to show he's human, just like me and you. We all, we've all, there's a lot, we all know the guy who's now, done this Now, let's put before. this in context because there are, you know, it, it, there are musical artists who nobody knows of, and they throw their stuff on uh, the different platforms, SoundCloud, whatever. Remember Dat Piff? Yes. <laughs> you put your stuff out there. Jordan's done a lot of times. He said, oh, remember when I was listening to this. But, Adam, Why? Is this impossible? Well, it's not It's not even necessarily impossible. Look, in that regard, they were making music, like not even together necessarily. They were kind of forming right, at the time. But, but. but they weren't a thing really right. until 2011 when they, when they dropped their first mixtape. And that was when they even started to pick up any kind of uh, any kind of clout in the, in the hip-hop world. But LeBron is not some... Like ahead of the trend, he's kind of cheesy. Yeah, you don't know that. Yeah, we know from what he's talked about, what he, from his IG videos, a lot of stuff that he's listened to and participated in. He's not ahead of the times. That's not LeBron. It was we. That's younger to LeBron though. It was like twelve years ago, right? That could have been something different. I'm not buying this. I want. So you're buying this? No, I'm not buying it either. Because like I said, we all know the person who just wants to be that guy. Like I knew, I knew, I totally knew, guys. The problem is, the problem is this. He wore the shirt. He he did everything right up until he put the spotlight on him. Even at, let's just say that he was listening to Migos before anybody else. Is it necessary to talk about that? He wasn't. Is it necessary to put the spotlight on yourself? Of course not. But no. he's human. Got to do it. We uh, all we all do. We're, I guess one more time. Stick your hand in there, dude. Stick your hand in there, dude. Do it verbally. Thank you. Uh, Willie, why are you mad at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? So, this goes back to the notorious trip to Cleveland, which you know well about. Sure. I, I stopped in there in 2014 and um, ran through, and literally ran through because it was before I went to the airport, saw everybody that was in there from Run DMC to old school rock and roll to old school crooners. And then I saw the headline, Duran Duran stumbles Dolly Parton rolls into Rock Hall. You know who's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of all the people that are in there? Who? He goes, Uncle Paul. Oh. And he belongs in there. Willie's Willie's uncle, Paul Anka, does belong in, I think. Maybe not rock and roll? One of the greatest songwriters of all time was rock and roll in the 50s. I would agree. We'll kind of stew on that. We'll figure it out. Talk some betting with John Von Tobel when we come back. Twin Peaks. Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. It is John Von Tobel joins us. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez down here at Twin Peaks on a Monday night. Ravens and Saints seeing uh, Lamar Jackson and Andy Dalton warm up. There could not be two more opposite quarterbacks in the NFL. Pretty funny actually watching both of them together. We'll get John's thoughts on that as we continue. Uh, some college basketball as well. NBA. There's a weird MMA betting story that uh, I was just talking to John about, so maybe get into that as well as we continue. But uh, I'll get both of your opinions first, since I just mentioned the NFL game tonight. Any thoughts, Ravens and Saints, as they get ready to do battle here on Monday Night Football? I don't necessarily have an opinion on the side, but I do like the under. Um, I think 
when you consider Andy Dalton is starting for the Saints and you have Alvin Kamara, I think that they're going to be focusing on the running game, thinking that they're going to looking like they're going to control the tempo as best as they can to keep the ball out of Baltimore's hands. When you have someone like Lamar Jackson, they're going to be missing key components from their passing game, including tight end Mark Andrews. I think that you're going to see a heavy, heavy rushing game. Clock will be moving, ball-controlled offense, methodical movements. I like the under. Jonathan? Uh, I have the Saints in the contest, uh, two and a half. So I uh, do have somewhat of a thing at stake here. Not really. Um, put it this way. I'm going for mini contests now as opposed <laughs> to the entire thing. Uh, but, no, I, like, I think the Saints have been a little bit of an undervalued team. I think Dalton, I mean, you like the PFF numbers as much as I do, Adam. I think he's grading out as like an 80-something right now. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton, in terms of uh, as a passer, he's been phenomenal. And I think one of the things that is really overlooked with this Baltimore team, and they added Roquan Smith. We'll see what his impact is tonight. They've been in the bottom of the league, like bottom five, bottom seven, in terms of EPA per play defensively and a lot of other metrics. I think the Saints are pretty live here. To, not going out of limb as a one-and-a-half-point underdog, say they could win this thing outright, but I think the market has very undervalued or very much undervalued what Andy Dalton has done for the Saints team up to this point. Can I, I point out that somebody last week mentioned to me, because well, one of my loves of PFF, that Derek Carr is projected to get 259 passing yards, and I was like, all right, well, projections are a little different. Like, right. tough, whatever. He finished with 259 passing yards. Nice. <laughs> yes. Good projection. Right on the number. We brought right up, on the number. We brought up earlier pro football reference. Andy Dalton, five starts to his credit. Everyone else has seven, eight, nine. But uh, he's eighth in the league with his rating by pro football reference uh, standards, 95.1. Yeah, I mean, if you – so if you go on, like, uh, other sites, but like PFF, for example, for sticking on that example, uh, if you go to, like, the, the Baltimore Ravens-Saints matchup card today – you, they compare the quarterbacks side by side. Andy Dalton's been the better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Yes, he's right better on, on this site as well. It, but, like, like turnover-worthy plays, yards per attempt, all those sort of things. So, no, I like Dalton. I think he's really solid. He's always been solid throughout his entire career. He's Dal- never really going to take out. Dalton also adds what Lamar does in the running game as well, right? Of course, the athleticism's <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> yes. uh, but, no, so that's why. It's a contest play, and I've got a teaser still alive. Uh, I teased up the Jags, and I teased up the Saints, so I just need one more leg to get there. And one of the reasons that Andy Dalton is effective for this team in particular, and we saw it last week certainly with the Raiders, is that, like many other veteran quarterbacks, is willing to check down, willing to just take what's there sometimes more than some younger quarterbacks are. And when you have a weapon like Alvin Kamara, especially when your receivers are ailing like these Saints are, it sometimes it just helps. Like, all right, just take what's there. Throw it to Alvin Kamara. Let him do something. And we definitely saw that last week. We'll see if they can continue to develop that. I still think the Ravens are elite-ish, but they haven't quite shown it yet. Their defense doesn't bother you? Uh, no, they're not healthy. I, I mean, I'm saying I think they're going to get there at some point. Uh, but, yeah, they just haven't shown what I think they can be uh, for long stretches yet, and I don't know that it's going to happen tonight. I'm always scared of it. But I don't. You know, we'll see if we uh, if we see some semblance of that tonight as the Raiders, excuse me, Raiders, the Ravens play in New Orleans against the Saints. Uh, Roquan Smith will play. Looks like so, yeah. Uh, good development. Can I add to that too, really quickly? Sure. One of the things that sticks out when you look at some of the numbers for the Ravens defense, uh, their linebackers grain really poorly in coverage. And you want like Roquan Smith going to go a great way toward helping out that thing because you talked about Kamara. I think he's got 18 targets over the last two games, something like that. Uh, be interested to see what he's like in terms of a workload today, too, because he's gotten a lot of it. Uh, UNLV in action. They're playing Southern tonight. Oh, yeah. We'll see what we get out of UNLV. 
but one of the storylines certainly leading up to the season is who is going to score? Yeah. This looks like it could be a very, very, very good defensive team that has a lot of question marks of who's going to actually put the ball in the basket. Can we take advantage of that in the betting market? I kind of want to bet it under. It's at 135. Um, it's kind of just sat there all day. I think there's like a 134 and a half out there. Um, but I think that's kind of like what I want to do here. Like I'm, I've watched them in practice multiple times. Um, the offense looks pretty disjointed. I'm not going to lie. You know, when Ke- Keyshawn Gilbert, for example, is going to be a really good player. I think I like him a lot defensively. He's fantastic. But if he's one of the guys that you're projecting to really grow and be a primary ball handler and create offense for you, I think it speaks to where you're at right now as an offense when it comes to the way that this team has been built. So I'm with you. Like they're going to be one of the better defensive teams, I think, in the NBA or in the NBA in the uh, in the conference. But when it comes to scoring, especially early on, Adam, right, like early in the season, I thought 135 and a half was kind of high, yeah. given what we know about them. I guess the one the one pro- issue I'd have because I agree with you, I'm not trying to to not take that same thing, uh, but when you are very talented defensively and you play a team that is likely to probably turn the ball over some right like a lot of turnovers could turn into some offense some easy offense oh oh absolutely and and i do think looking over at southern i mean they have i think about two or three guys coming back from last year's team it's not an overt like an overtly talented team i think they're going to be up there in their respective conference but i um that was that is the one thing that kills you because they do want to run they do want to get out and get out and transition it's what they do and like you said not only when you're a good defensive team when you're a challenged offensive team you're going to look for every transition opportunity that's available to you. Uh, other basketball, because there's a ton of college basketball games. We could probably just do the whole show I'm on down. college basketball. Uh, but my dubs bounce back? Is this going to happen? I think so. Okay. I mean, I'm hoping it is. So what I like to do a lot is, like, you know, keep track of, like, the market and where numbers were. So they just played, as you know, because you watch every Warriors game. Uh, they yeah. did just play the Kings, what was that, like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago? And they're actually up pretty big at that game. And then they blew it, and they had to sweat that game out down the stretch. And they ended up winning by five. They went off as a 10-point favorite there. And now they come back. They're fully healthy. They're rested. Uh, Steph Curry and all of the starters took off that Pelicans game. You would think situationally, coming off of a very, very, very poor road trip, that you're going to be in position here to maybe uh, bounce back. And the number seven and a half would have closed ten when they met a couple of weeks ago. So I laid it. I laid seven and a half with the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. A uh, bunch of games in the NFL landed on three. It's, a, it's an issue. I guess it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, especially if you're a book. If yeah. games are landing on three when the line's three, three and a half. That's just annoying. And well, and by the way, can I, I, I just wanted to use this to point out um, my official petition. If an official or a ref takes out a player more than 10 yards downfield, <laughs> replay it. It is just call it off and replay the play. That was pretty big when it came to Washington and Minnesota. Yeah. It was yeah. huge. It was like, we're just like, that's fine. Taylor Henneke um, gets away with throwing it into like quintuple coverage. Right? Well, one, of the, get one, of the five, one of the five was the field judge. Right. But like, yes. it's, going, it's going to get picked off. I don't think there's any question about that. And instead, it's Washington's ball at like the half-yard line as opposed to an interception the other way. That was huge. Yeah. And My the, guy, wait, Kirk Thuggins. They did, they did not count that? Did they score in the next play? I, I thought Samuel popped up and scored. Did did he, I, can't remember, I can't remember. Yeah. I thought he, I, either way, it ended up in a touchdown. It was, it was, it, it ridiculous. was ridiculous. It's a ridiculous play. No question about it. Uh, you, just, you just referenced the name Kirk Thuggins. Uh, Kirk Cousins with the big win, revenge season. By against the Commanders. Can I just say, the Willie's... Post, the post game on the plane? Uh, the post game on the plane is great. Willie's into fitness. So I have two names for Kirk Cousins. 
either Kirk Thuggins or Kirk Cutsons. Because that dude's shredded, bro. He's, he's, he's lean. Yeah. He's got like an eight. Yeah, he's got like an eight pack. It's ridiculous. You watched the video? I saw the, the pl- he was on the on plane. The plane. But yeah. you, so there's two angles because there's one from like over his shoulder. There's another where it's like in front. I saw the still shots of the front. Oh, dude, he's he is. I don't even think the still shot to a credit. He is shredded. He's, doing that. he's hanging upside down by chains P- and doing like, yeah, doing like curl, like doing uh, sit ups. He looks absolutely incredible. I'm in. Uh, do you want to try to take a shot on this game next week against the Bills before knowing what the status of Josh Allen is? No, because I, as much as I love the Vikings, and I've got to take it on and win in the NFC North, and last year, not this year, but last year I bet them to win the NFC, and I think statistically they have been everything offensively you wanted them to be. This year, man, they're barely getting by some of these teams, and they should be beating them, and they are. But I feel like a fully healthy Bills squad, I was ready to kind of like buzzsaw territory. I felt like they were going to run into it. But Josh Allen's not healthy. And I heard you reference this earlier. Last two games, he has looked like old Josh Allen. Yeah, no uh, kidding. I think eight turnover-worthy plays over the last two games. He's putting the ball anywhere and everywhere. And I would like to point out, it's not just the last two games. The Dolphins game, they lost because he kept putting the ball everywhere. That's a little troubling for Buffalo. Dude, the Ravens game, they lost. Again, the refs made, the, made it a win for the Bills. Yeah. They lost that game because he stunk. Yeah. For for three quarters. Yeah. Like this is I still think he's I still think he's okay. This, it's <laughs> it's troubling. It's troubling. You no, know, it is. It, like for there's a lot of people who push back and be like, so what he didn't turn no turnover early plays are an indicator of turnovers that are going to happen at some point. Like if you're just loose with the football, it's not very good. And he it's crazy and it's like and Adam, like I know you've watched it too, like it's like reads where there's like a defender just there, and he's like, "Screw it," and he throws it right to a guy. It's bad. It's the the cockiness has gotten a bit out of control. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> I think that's where we're at right now. Where he's like, "I'll just throw it through this guy." Like, no, I'll kill him. That doesn't work. <laughs> I'll literally throw it like a bullet through this man. <laughs> I w- I am in, I'm enjoying maybe a little too much the fact that he's struggling, and obviously we should say we hope he doesn't have to have Tommy John surgery. Yes, that would suck. Just leave it with that. That would be just awful. I'd feel very bad for the fans of the Bills. Uh, where was I going to go next? Oh, uh, you also had another college basketball game real quick. Todd Simon, former, former UNLV coach, going with Southern Utah against New Mexico. I put a smidge on it. I just So, first off, so I think Todd Simon, you can speak more to this than I could. I think Simon's awesome. I, I think he's a really good head coach. He's done a great job with Southern Utah. They have been extremely competitive since he has gotten there. Yep. And I really like this New Mexico team, and I think they have a really high ceiling in the Mountain West. But I also don't think they're going to be good defensively, and I don't think they're holding a team down to win by about eight points uh, in a game like this where I think Southern Utah is going to be pretty effective on offense. So I thought it was kind of a big number. The total, too, it speaks to it. Total's like 155.5 in this game. There's not going to be a lot of defense played. I'm not sure if I would trust New Mexico to kind of pull away and cover eight or more. Wanted to get into the uh, the potential betting issues in the MMA fight over the weekend. Not much time here, but uh, where can people check your stuff out? Uh, Visa.com slash JVT, of course, at me, JVT. And listen later tonight when I'm on the sidelines for UNLV Southern. Wow, should be very good. Willie, big party tonight here at Twin Peaks. Why should people come down? They should always come down here, but why should people come down tonight? Definitely come down tonight to check out the Monday Night Football game, the best kitchen for Monday Night Football, but also got plenty of tickets for upcoming Run and Rebel games. Got UNLV football, 
We have a watch, uh, a place where you can go and sit down, VIP table for the Colts Raiders games. I got a $50 gift card. Plus, giving tickets away to a big boxing match. We may have a show to give some tickets away, but you got to get down here. Get down here. You got to be present. We're doing the raffles through halftime. I'm here till 7. So if you want freebies, get down here. By the way, Adam, they're showing his tweet. They just showed on the preview, uh, the pregame show, Jeff Saturday's tweet <laughs> about the Raiders look horrible. What a storyline this is going to be. I can't wait for the rest of the week. This should be fun. Maybe talk to some of the players from the Raiders about how they felt about the tweet. I'm sure they'll downplay it, but uh, it will be fun. Thanks to everybody who came on today. Jay Schrader, John Von Tobel, Linda Cohn, Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill, John Von Tobel, Mateo, everybody down here at Twin Peaks. Come on down. Monday Night Football is coming up soon, and UNLV Rebels right here.